Welcome to the podcast of Allie and Pissarro. I'm Alan Alley with Jim Pissarro and James Ball running for House District. Let me see if I get it. 36. 36. That's yes. correct. Southwest Portland. Southwest Portland. We had that whole discussion last week about where is House District 36. There's a lot going on, and we're going to cover everything from local, national, vice presidential debate, state of the race with only 24, five days left, something like that. Ballots are going out now. I got my uh, my little pamphlet in the mail already. Did, uh, did you guys check to see if the Republican statement is in yours? I did not. So I, I it's I, supposed to be. I got something from Multnomah County, well, from Multnomah County Republicans, that there are actually two two statements going out or two pamphlets going out. Did you? No. Okay. I haven't gotten mine yet, so I can't verify that. But it sounded like there were too many pages, and so they split it up into two different books. You know, I think you said Multnomah County Republicans. Yes. Okay. That, that, that may not, be that it's may not plural. <laughs> the, the the one of us. The one of you. No, I got an email from... Okay, so anyway, that might be fake news. Ignore me. Okay. Um, Vice presidential debate. Mike Pence, Kamala Harris. Uh, My reaction was it was a lot better than the first debate. Uh, We actually had an exchange of ideas, I think. I think both were pretty well scripted and buttoned down. Uh, no big surprises from my point of view. What did you guys think? A lot of canned talking points, a lot of prepared <laughs> prepared statements. Yeah, it was uh, it was better from a presidential standpoint, but much less interesting to watch than uh, <laughs> the <Yeah>. first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The drinking game was not nearly as fun <laughs> with this one. Although the fly on Pence's head was, uh, that was the highlight. You know, I didn't notice it, and a friend of mine was texting me while the debate was going on, and he said, is there a fly on Pence's head? And I thought, is this some sort of code? You know, <laughs> like like I missed the whole thing about... It stayed there for like 10 minutes, too. It was there, was for, it really it was there, there forever. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It, it, was, it didn't just go and fly away. It was there for like... A, see, this This is... I, I'm, I'm partially responsible for this. The fly. Mm-hmm. Because we help develop the technology that gives us high-definition flat-panel television sets. Uh-huh. And if it wasn't for that technology, if this was the the uh, Nixon-Kennedy debate, well, pers- first of all, they both had dark hair, but you never would have seen the fly. Never would have seen it. So you can thank me and Pixelworks for helping to do that. Thank you, Alan. For you're, the, you're uh, welcome. <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> well, I, it, was the best, uh, it was the best moment for the Trump campaign uh, in the last two weeks, and pr- probably the only good moment. And um, Pence had a rough, an uneven start, but after that, I thought it was a very solid debate on his part. He managed to cram the State of the Union and the Republican Party platform <laughs> into one 90-minute debate, and he, so he was, he was incredibly long on substance and did it in a way that was effectively delivered, even if it was you know, pretty much he wasn't reaching a broader coalition than than those who support Republican ideas. But she, uh, on tone, pretty good, but, you know, very much rhetoric versus his substance. And so then you're looking at her, and it was kind of a microcosm of her in the primaries where she, strong start, good rhetoric, but underneath it, not a lot to say. And so you're sitting there watching this with the 
Biden now up to I think on the on the real on the poll average, the real clear like nine point six uh, lead, and thinking and then and Biden stumbling over numbers all the time, which is apparently according to a couple of doctor friends of mine, are you know a sign of of mental you know uh, deterioration that yeah. you stumble over numbers, and so you're thinking, oh, is this the next president, Kamala? Harris and it it is the debate goes on it became a little more unnerving and unnerving and, and, you know Pence became stronger on substance and she became just you know wrapped in this rhetoric and uh, so it was like whoa you 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 turned I turned the debate off with kind of a you know unsettling feeling and especially after the 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 two two weeks that the president has had yeah i think um he was it was it was almost like okay here's the 20 things that you have to get into this debate right. work these 20 things in and he did and he did and yeah. he was very buttoned down and disciplined about mm-hmm. working them in her mission seemed to be uh the coronavirus is Donald Trump's fault right. and 200,000 people have died right well, like we've been talking about though that is the democratic line for this thing it is you know, this this is a referendum on Trump, and their biggest selling point is the coronavirus, and 200,000 people have died. So, I mean, if I was a strategist on the Democratic side, I would have told her the same thing. I'd say just hammer coronavirus. Just keep talking about coronavirus. Well, and that's where – that's a, and this is what frustrates people, I think, about politics today. That's a useful tactic to get elected, and I understand right. why you do that. But it's not very informative about mm-hmm. – how, how you you're govern. going to govern exactly and right? that and that really came through with her and, yeah and, and, and prosecutors on top of that you can't imagine them as managers no it's like the last people that you would basically hire in your ceo team well and and i've said that trump was hired to be a terrorist to right. blow things up right in dc uh harris and biden are being hired to make it bigger and better Right. They're, they're Mm -hmm. really, they want to expand the federal government. And one of the things that, that I've sort of concluded is, yes, there's this divide in America that's becoming highlighted as we go every day. And rather than these discussions about let's break the country in two or let's, Mm -hmm. it's like, let's reduce the size of the federal government less decisions made nationally that are the same for New York and Oregon and more decisions made locally. I'm, I'm becoming more of a uh, Republican in, in terms of republic. a republic, yeah. right, uh, every day. Well, there's yeah. kind of a, schiz- a schism, though, in, in, in the president's philosophy on smaller government. Uh, he, you know, good points for wanting things done on the state and local level. But bad points for growing the deficit, and and there's even a piece in the Wall Street Journal that they've offered some, you know, the Pelosi's offered another really, you know, uh, sort of loaded stimulus package that he may agree to. Well, and that's the the fundamental problem is with monetary policy being national, and I think it should be. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that can print money. You don't want fifty currencies, right? So, yeah. so when it comes to these massive printing money schemes like they're doing right now um it's the only place where it can happen and and it's it's sort of the nuclear weapon of of the financial world um and i've always said it's easier to raise a million than a hundred thousand if you're raising money for a company 
It's easier to raise 10 million than one, 100 million than 10, and a billion. It's easier to raise a billion because it's a vision thing. Well, what we found out with the federal government is it's, it's easier to raise a trillion. Because right. nobody has to be accountable for any of the details. It's like except the American people. Uh, well, you have exactly. Pay, you have to pay for it. But that's what yeah. they're arguing over: is 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 it one point four trillion or is it one point eight trillion or is it two or three? Nobody and right? everybody just sees the one at the front and they're like, ah, right. whatever. Yeah, it, what? We're, we're, it'll be fine. I think. I think so, the you know the um, other problem of this week is, and and I don't know where we are in terms of our relationship to break, but the other problem this week is that. The race is right now unraveling for the president. Let's start the next segment with you talking about that. Uh, we'll stop right here and come back with Jim talking about the unraveling of the race. This is Ali Pissero and our friend James Ball. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com portland. Welcome back to Ali Passero, and we're joined today with our friend James Ball, Running for House District 36. Jane, uh, Jimmy. Oh, I have Jim and Jim. Yes. I never actually. Yeah, but that's, we've been, no, I, we've, we've been, been doing, doing these this for six months. Because you're always James and yeah. he's Jim or Jimmy or something else. But, um, Jim Pissero, the race is evolving quickly. Fill us in. Well, okay. So I have a lot of friends, a lot of Republican friends who don't believe in the polls and think Trump is deadlock going to win. And so they're just, there, there isn't a poll that you can show them that's going to change their mind. And some even think Trump's still going to have a landslide. So for those people, they don't need to listen to this conversation because, okay. because they, they <laughs> yeah, think, if you, yeah, if, right. if you feel that way, I understand it. And, 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 and the polls on the state level, not the national polls right. in the last, in the 2016 race were wrong. And Trump had, you know, a, a, a pretty interesting upset win. Well, so. I would say not all of them are wrong. And I, I listened to the 538 podcast and 538 had Trump at about a 20% chance to win. Right. And that is what the Trump campaign had Trump as a percentage to win. And so 20% does not mean he's going to lose. It means he has a 20% chance to win. One, one in five it's times. It's sort of I really like Purdue playing yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, I was, this yeah. is, this is, you jumped in on the disclaimer. This, okay. Sorry. I'm just giving the disclaimer. Okay. I have a whole other Sorry, okay. part, part, I'll, to, I'll, part uh, to do. So, finish. so if you, if you look at the, if, if you believe that the polls don't matter and, what, and that Trump's going to win, you don't need to listen to this conversation. But if you if you do think the, that there's something to the polls, uh, here's uh, Donald Trump has probably had, in my mind, the worst ten days a presidential candidate has had since Michael Dukakis got in the tank, or George McGovern <laughs> picked uh, Thomas Eagleton to be his VP and then found out that the guy had had a mental breakdown. Uh, so the race. Up until COVID was about a three to four percent Biden lead. And that was pretty much where it was for two years. And then with then, and then when the president came out and did all those press conferences with his team for about two months, it, it, it went from three to four percent to somewhere in the six or seven percent range of, of the average of the polls. 
And then the, the, we've had what we've had. We've had the debate. We've had the president getting COVID. And I can't say it was a spreader event because we got into that last week and I yelled at you last night on the phone about it before I had a drink. <laughs> and, 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 um, but if the president did have an event at the White House where a lot of people got COVID, including himself, we can't say that, right? And so then, and so then the Michigan governor, the plot to kid, kidnap her oh, by that, the militia. Yeah. And then the president deciding, you, you know, getting a little bit uneven or a little bit unraveled, probably too strong, but, you know, he's mad at Barr. He's mad at Pompeo. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, up and down. And, and so now the polls are about 9.6, 10 points. We average. So. The question really, and, and now, and I watched the Lindsey Graham debate last week where he looks like he's, he thinks he's going to lose his seat. And when you get to the point where Lindsey Graham may lose his seat, it's an indicator you got problems in a, in a, in a race. And so, and Mitch McConnell comes out and says, Hey, I didn't think, uh, I didn't go to the White House for the last two months because I didn't think they had the right precautions. So when you, you're at that point, and then I looked at state polls this week in state legislative districts that show a precipitous drop in our candidates and in Donald Trump or in the, in the outlying metro areas where we were hoping Clackamas, Mary and other places we would be strong, which we still may be. But at this point, you know, the president has to, in my opinion, steady the race. And the, and now, and now we have a debate canceled, which is really, I mean, he's, how many chances do you have to change the structure of the race? And so there's a lot to be, very, very worried about right now. So a couple of things. One is I'm not somebody that uh, when presented with this kind of information uh, worries. Right. It's more about what are you going to do about it? Okay. How are you going to change that? How are you going to affect change? What are the variables that, that you have control over yeah. that you can do something about? So what right? would that be? Well, it, locally, it's things like I've been working with Jeff Goodman, right? Right, and he's and he's and really he, improved as and a he, candidate, and he's a great candidate, yeah. and and he is the right guy to be treasurer of the state of Oregon, given all the atmospherics yeah. around it. Jeff is the right guy. Uh, our political action committee, on your advice and on my and and and, and my partner and I watching him uh, improve, wrote yeah. a significant check to him this yeah. week. And which you, can, which you can look up on Orstar. And his message online, his media campaign is, I think, very good. He's, he's going after Tobias on exactly the right things. So, you know, this is, it's very similar to when I'm, uh, talking to people. I sit on boards of startup mm-hmm. companies and, and when you're running a startup, this whole Donald Trump COVID thing is small potatoes <laughs> compared with the stuff that you face. As an entrepreneur, so, I mean, you, and well, let me, let okay. me make my point. And, and, and people come to me and, and they're like, Alan, what am I going to do? And you feel completely hopeless, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're staring into the abyss that my family, I've lost all my savings. I've lost everything. And it's like, look, what can you do? What, what are the things that are under your control and what can you manage? So. Local races, absolutely. Okay, so why don't we define that? I mean, do you want to jump yeah. in before we? Because I've got a couple questions I want to no, ask. I mean, go ahead. I don't. 
I don't, no, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, break that down a little bit. So, so if, if Biden loses, I mean, if, if Trump loses to De- Mr. Dementia, um, what, what would you define like, what are the hopeful pockets? What, what happens on the local election that you think, hey, this is pretty hopeful. This is a decent consolation prize besides Jeff Goodman winning the treasurer. So I can't affect much nationally. Right. Right. So Jeff Goodman, treasurer. The other one that I've been involved with is the Lake Oswego City Council races right, right. here. We have a big city council race. John Lamont, Aaron Rapp, mm-hmm. and uh, Rachel Verdick are the three people running for city council that I think are the best hope for right. Lake Oswego. So I spend time on that. Yeah. And so that's the thing. For me, and I think everybody. What about it, Alex Garlottis in the fourth congressional district absolutely. against Peter DeFazio? Right, right, yep. absolutely. Have you seen polling on that? Uh, yes, and it's very, very close. It's, yeah, and, and and one of the things that really is worrisome, and how I I, I really would li- love to be able to speak to the president today, because when we sit around as a political action committee and decide where to invest, um, we don't invest with James Ball because because because. Donald Trump is not going to run well in Southwest and Northwest Portland. So True. that's, that's, even though James Ball is probably the best candidate running for the legislature, um, in the entire state, in the entire state. Wow, so, thanks. so, so, so that's like a circle around, okay, because we, we did that. We spent a lot of money, f- uh, pr- hoping Newt Beeler would be governor and, right. and he got swallowed up on the Trump wave at the end. He was leading October 1st. We learned right. so, and, and then he lost by five points. So, and and what was startling about that race was Bud Pierce had a million dollars and he got forty five percent of the vote and Newt Bueller had twenty million dollars in the first road scholarship from Oregon State and he got forty four point eight percent of the vote. So it was like whoa. So there's a circle around the metropolitan area that's that you stay out of. You don't take your army in there because Well let's let's talk about that when we come back. We've got to go to a break. This is Ali Pacero and our friend James Paul. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. This is Ali and Pacero, podcast. And we're talking about local races. We're talking about national races. Jim was talking about the area around Multnomah County. And, and, um, one of the things that we identified, certainly when I was running statewide, was if a Republican can get 33% right. in Multnomah County, you basically can't lose right. the state. Um, and the ones that have been successful, uh, but lost, get up into the 28, 29, right. 30% range, but you got to get to 33. Right. And so, for example, and I think Jeff Goodman's doing a, a good job of this. When I ran for state treasurer, re- we ran like I was running for Metro City Council. And um, we focused on the Tri-County area, but did it in knocking on doors, passing yeah. out hand ballots and that sort of thing. Real personal retail politics. I'd go to Blazer Games mm-hmm. and as people got off the mass transit, I'd just hand out cards. I'd go right. to um uh Saturday markets in Portland all over the place and hand out handbills. And we got more votes in Multnomah County than anybody but Ronald Reagan. 
has has ever received. And so you don't have to win Multnomah County, right. but you need thirty three percent. And right. if you if you don't if you're down in the twenty five percent range, there's not enough votes in the rest of the state to make it up. Well, there, here here is the. I was just going to say there there are reasonable Democrats in Multnomah County. I mean there mm-hmm. there are a lot of and so I mean the Southwest Portland's where I'm living where I'm running. There are a lot of the extremists who you're never going to get their vote. Those are the guys that go down to the Justice Center every night. They're the people who are on Facebook a lot yelling at people. But there are a lot of wealthy or affluent people in the area who are tired of paying all these taxes, but they vote Democrat because they've always voted Democrat. And if you can convince them, show them a Republican who is not repulsive, I think that you can get their vote. So I, that's kind of been my strategy, and I think that yeah. I don't know how well, Jeff's doing in on that. Terms, in terms of investing in, in – and I, I was alluding to this before we went to the break. In terms of investing in local candidates and, and where how the president uh, handles himself in the last three and a half weeks of this campaign and why it matters is – so you, drew a, you draw a circle around – Multnomah County, Washington County, and go. This is this is in, this yes, is anti. Okay, this is yeah. this is anti-Trump land, and you're just going to waste your money. And then you go to the fourth congressional district, Southern Oregon and Eastern Oregon. And you go. This is Trump land, and you can see that the working people are moving pretty rapidly from the Democratic Party into the Republican Party. And so, okay, though this is this is good Trump. You know, this is the good. This is the place to spend some money. Because Trump's going to run well there, he's not going to he's not going to be beaten by twenty five or thirty points in that state district. Right. And then the, is the gray area, and you hope if the president's competitive, the race is competitive, then all of a sudden, you know, Clackamas and Marion County and and that 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 area in between the you know sort of sort of between the elites and the meatloaf, you know, is 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 is, is the area that you, that you think. You know, you can win seats and we can, and why that matters is because, say, the supermajority in the legislature. Absolutely. You know, you flip a few of those seats and you get rid of the supermajority, which means you get rid of just democratic, you know, tyranny and that there's, the Republicans actually have a, uh, they have to work with them a little bit. And so the polling that I saw this week showed that in those Clackamas and Marion County that Trump had taken about a 10 point hit over the last week. In those areas. And that's, you know, that's where the president, you know, his, how he conducts his campaign really matters because this race should tighten. Well, it should naturally tighten. The thing that's actually amazing to me is that it's not 80 20. It is, I mean, if you think about it, right? You mean you've, having a terrorist as president, which should no, be 80 20? No, that you've got a sitting president that has gone through this global pandemic, right. right? The economy has been crushed, right? not necessarily because of the normal atmospherics no. of an economy, but right. the government shut the economy down. Yeah. The, the global government shut the global economy yeah. down, right? right? There are people that are dead as a result of this. Right. There are many, many Americans that are dead as a result of this. Yeah. A- and... We're probably getting to the point where everybody knows somebody that's been affected mm-hmm. by COVID, yeah. right? Whether mm-hmm. it's a death or just serious sickness. Yeah. And, and with all of that going on and trillion dollar bailouts and he was impeached and he was impeached, and he was impeached right? That's a, right. That 
that he's within 10 points or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. really astounding. Yeah. And I don't think one, we don't all appreciate this, but two, I really don't think the Democrats appreciate this, mm-hmm. right? right? Is that it took all of that to get him where he is to get to get the Democrats to where they are right now. Yeah. And they still might screw it up. And the thing about it is he has every right to be angry about stuff. Totally. You know, and to lash out at Pompeo, and to lash out at Barr this week because because the Durham uh, investigation isn't going to happen until after the after the election. He, you know, the impeachment thing is going to be a, more, a bigger negative on Nancy Pelosi than it will be on Donald Trump in the history books. Well, it, it, let's get into this. I don't know if you want to do it now, but we've got to talk about what she's doing with the Twenty Fifth Amendment, right? <laughs> but you, you, James, you were going to. Oh, just say. another thing I think that's going to affect the state and local races is turnout. I think that's going to be a dark horse that people are not really on our side of the aisle may not be prepared for. And this is what happened in 2018 too. Typically Republicans have a two to three percentage point uh, advantage in turnout. Right. And in 2018 that flipped. The Democrats had a two to three percent point point percent advantage. In a midterm, the Republicans have an advantage, not, not in a presidential I think both. No, I I went back. Yeah, it's in Oregon. In Oregon, yeah, Republicans turn out at a couple percentage points higher than Democrats, and it's it's much higher in a presidential than in a. But it 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 scales the same way, and I think that Democratic turnout more than anything is what gave us the Democratic supermajority and killed Bueller's campaign in 2018, and I have a feeling. That's going to happen again in 2020. I think that you've got a lot of young people, a lot of minorities, a lot of people who have never voted before in their lives who are going to be voting Biden and then just D down the ticket. So, so it'll be interesting because I, I can look at that two ways. We have a mayor's race that is. I don't even know what I, you have to vote in it. You both are voting yep, yes. in it, right? And as far as I'm concerned, it's like my hand would hover because <laughs> I, I don't know what to do, right? Yeah. I think I'd vote for Ted Wheeler, right? but, but it's like, whoa, what am, what am I going to do here? So I'm not super motivated to, yeah. to get my vote out for somebody in the mayor's race. The Trump-Biden race, if I'm sitting here in Oregon, everybody I talk to, Everybody, the one universal thing is I'm going to vote for X or Y, but my vote doesn't really matter because Oregon doesn't really matter because we know which way it's going to go. So if people feel that way, that ah, my vote doesn't really matter, the ballot comes, it's like, I know, I know Biden's going to win Oregon and I'm not very excited about mayor. And now I get down to my city count. I don't even know who these people are. Are they? Are they really going to get out there and 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 vote? Are we going to have big turn? I don't know. The Trump hatred in Multnomah County is stronger than it was in 2018. Yeah, I believe that's true. Well, Absolutely. when you look at an election and you say, and we've been through a lot of elections, and uh, you and I, and um, J- James, not so not many. as many, but a couple. <laughs> and what happens is, where's the energy coming from? I mean, and that's, and, and I'll give you a perfect example is let's talk about that when we come back. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. Jim, when we left off, you were talking about energy in the election. Where right. is the energy in this election? Well, I think we know where the energy is, and at least in Oregon, and it's anti Trump. But, but what I was, I'll give you an example of how energy affects things. Um, so Trump in the Secretary of State race, Shamia Fagan is really a flawed candidate. 
with a with a lot of question marks about what kind of job she would do as Secretary of State. She wanted to lower. She's the one who introduced the bill to lower the the voting age to sixteen in right. Oregon. Yeah. This is going to be our next Secretary of State. Wanted right. to allow sixteen-year-olds to vote, right? And exactly, and 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 Kim Thatcher is a state senator from Yamhill County, who we like, who's a solid candidate. Yeah, and uh, and the office is you know really held by the late Dennis Richardson. So without the Donald Trump son blocking everything out, this huge thing, which you know is uh, which I don't know why you're pointing at me. Point that way. <laughs> Point that way. But without Donald Trump blocking everything out, whereas I, I mean I don't know anybody. I call my family members. I call my friends. They're all just glued to national. I mean, they, 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 to try to get a local issue conversation going right. with them, it's almost impossible. Even though the place locally is falling apart, um, and so, and so. In a normal time, without a presidential election, if it was Shamia Fagan versus Kim Thatcher, it'd be pretty easy to to run a, a pro Kim Thatcher, anti Shamia Fagan campaign. I mean, there's a lot of baggage with Shamia Fagan that could really be effective. And and to, Kim Thatcher's also raised a half a million dollars, but in this in this cycle, it's just going to be, how do you feel about Donald Trump? And if I feel bad now, you have to have a theory that people will. On the, on the, they won't just vote straight party line. But. Well, they haven't in the past. Right. Um, and you do see people saying, this year I am voting straight Democratic. It's a referendum on Trump. I'm mm -hmm. voting straight down the line. And you and I are responsible for enabling him. My, yes. my theory, yeah. my theory on that is those are largely people that have never voted for a Republican in their life. Mm -hmm. And they, but this still speaks to intensity. Now they're out standing on street corners with signs. Before they were just yeah, I, saying something to you over a cup of coffee in their I've house. I've seen a ton of a ton of stuff online, and you're probably right. These are people who wrote Democrat right down the line anyway. But they're talking about the Republican Party needs to be destroyed. We need to upend this entire thing. Never, never elect another Republican to, to office ever again. It's like we're like the Nazi party, I, or something. right? Yeah, well, that's like, yeah. that's what they're. It is the hyperbole has gotten so bad that mm -hmm. that that's what they believe. And I I think that's true. Um, the the, you, the you're history, the practical person. What are you going to do about it? Well, the history is that. Down ballot Republicans dramatically outperform the top of the ticket in presidential years in Oregon. And it's, I think it's unusual because mm -hmm. when you talk nationally, <laughs> yeah. the guys, everything you talk about nationally is they believe that everybody votes a ticket. Right. That it's just top to bottom. You pull the lever, you vote a ticket. <laughs> if the top performs, okay. the bottom's going to, your coattail effect, all this kind of crap. And I present them with these numbers that, um, you know, for example, in 2016, Trump got 39% of the vote. In Oregon. In Oregon. Richardson got 47% right. of the vote. Um, in 2012, uh, or 2008, McCain got 40%. This guy, Alley, got 45% mm -hmm. of the vote. So there is a, there is an effect of down ballot. I, I, and I, and maybe it's in years where they're not quite as intense. Right. That's that right. they voted for the top of the ticket. They preserved that senator, you know, Congress, the um, the president. And then they get down to that James Ball guy. You know, he knocked on my door. 
it doesn't seem so bad. Not during COVID, I didn't. No, but, <laughs> okay, so, but maybe I'll take a flyer on so here's on him. And when I go to the cocktail party, I can say I'm bipartisan. I voted for a Republican. Okay, so I get my ballot, and I've got the top. The first line is the president. Mm-hmm. So it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. I get past that, and then it's and then it's U.S. Senator, and that's not competitive. Right. And that's not competitive. So I end up not voting. You know, you may vote for oh, Joe, you, Joe Ray Perkins. You, you may not you, vote. Are, are you talking about you personally right, or yeah. the hypothetical you? M- me personally. Okay. But, yeah. but I mean, I may vote for Joe Ray. I may not. Yeah. But it's not a competitive race. Okay. So then the next race is Congress. Congress. Susan Bonamici, first district, not competitive race. Who's running against her? I we don't even know. Well, that's the that problem. Joanna Harper? Joanna Harper? Well, you're, you're, you know, cause you're yeah. under the, you're under that, you're on my ballot. Are we in the ballot. same district? Yes. I, yeah. Okay. We're, we're, yes. Yeah. You're on my ballot. Joanna Harbor. And okay. so, okay. So, and is, is that, I mean, she's not a competitive race, but is she a no, it's candidate? No, D, D plus 30. Oh yeah. She's, she's, you know, Republican. Okay. Down the, I mean, like she's, she's died CD, in the wool Republican. So, CD1, okay. Right? So, so I think so. So I, I, I've got the Donald Trump and, Vote yep. and then I, you know, and then I have the not competitive U.S. Senate race and the yeah. not competitive congressional race. Now I go to the Secretary of State race and I wake up and I'm like, okay, so if I'm, you know, if I'm a Democrat and I voted for Joe Biden and then I voted for Merkley and then I voted for Bonamici, which is what right. everybody in my neighborhood right. will do, then I get to Shamia Fagan and I'm, right. I'm going to vote for her too. So, well, Jeff Gudman, then is that when I go, oh, Treasurer, th- we no, are, no, no. We, we got a purse problem. So now I'm going to flip over. So, what happened with Dennis Richardson is the Democrats didn't even like the Democrat, mm-hmm. Brad Avakian, right? Right. Uh, when I see Shamia Fagan's commercials mm-hmm. on television, mm-hmm. and and in your commercial, that's your best behavior, right? Right. right. By definition, this is your warmest, most welcoming, right. you know, the, the thing when they put you on camera – they put you on camera because they believe this is the you that's going to compel people to vote for you. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Okay, so you think people will, when they get, okay, so just this hypothetical Democrat in, in James, in my district, votes for Biden, votes for Merkley, votes for yep. Bonamici, and then gets to the Secretary of State and says, I think they're, they're going to start to peel ooh, there. Right, right there. Okay. Right. And then Goodman gets their vote. And, and then when you get to Goodman, um, Jeff just doesn't seem like a politician, mm-hmm. right? He's just Jeff. Right. And and it's kind of like, it's not even, I want him to be my financial advisor because he's even wonkier than that. He's like a, <laughs> he's like a, he's like a professor of, of, of finance, of finance yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I kind of like a professor of finance because maybe there's some stuff going on in the treasury. I hear about this PERS thing. I hear about, you know, and, and my taxes keep going up and I don't seem to be getting much for my taxes. I can't believe the Oregonian article on, oh, I on know. him. <laughs> what did it say? Tobias Reed's terrible. He's done nothing, but we're going to endorse him anyway because he's a Democrat. That's essentially yeah, a Tobias nutshell. Reed well, that, is terrible. No, <laughs> yeah, he, Tobias that, Reed that is, is essentially to, to the theory that we were he's talking done about nothing. here. He's done nothing. <laughs> right. Blue shirt. And, and we're going to endorse him because we want him to do better. And we think he'll do better, maybe, sort of, kind of, if please. So it, after the that, break, we'll come back and continue this discussion. This is Allie and Pacero's podcast with our friend James Paul. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. 
ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Alley and Pacero's podcast with James Ball running for District 36. 36. Which is Southwest Portland. Correct. And we just determined the boundary move for your congressional district. Pretty sure I'm in Blumenauer's district. Okay. Yeah. And Jimmy, you're in? Uh, I'm in Bonamici's. Bonamici's. Yeah. So all, the, well, uh, the, 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 dis, the line used to be the Willamette River forever on the first. See, I'm in Schrader. Yeah. You're in the, so there's like, a, there's a little the tiny glimmer of hope. Yeah. And you, well, you're g- going to be in a new congressional district that with Bend. They're going to draw a district from Bend to Lake Oswego. So that's an interesting discussion. I wasn't going to get into that, but we should. Um, we will probably pick up a seat, mm-hmm. right? Oregon will go right. from, uh, We'll pick up a five to six seats. Five to six seats, right? Um, Which gives us will, an extra electoral vote. Will the Democrats try to hold six, or will they push all the Republicans into one? Well, I think it's five. more like four. It's going to be more four two versus five one. Yeah, because you're going to have you're going to push all the Republicans out to Eastern Oregon. Yeah, so, so so you'll you'll concede an Eastern Oregon seat. Yeah, they have to. So you'll you'll continue to pack you'll. The, I guess the one that you really want to flip is CD4, where Scarlatos, oh, that's the problem. Right. Especially if Scarlatos wins it. Right. Then they'll gerrymander him out well, as best the, they can. Can a, you draw a circle around Roseburg and include uh, it in CD2? I, so he has to run against, yeah, against, pro- against I think there's, could. I think there's <laughs> a scenario in January 1st, 2023, that we wake up and there are three Republicans in Congress from Oregon and three Democrats. Because... Scarlatus wins and mm-hmm. beats DeFazio in an upset, which is going to be weird if Donald Trump loses Oregon by right. 20 points. People from the Washington Post are going to be scratching their heads about that. Right. But Eastern Oregon stays Cliff Bent's district. And right. then, and then there's a new district from Bend to Lake Oswego that somebody like an Allen Alley could win. And, and that could be, um, that could make it 3-3. I don't think they're going to. No. But they're not going to do that. Because well, that, Washington would, that would benefit State, us. No, I think they have to. Because in Washington State, you get to a certain amount of population growing in that part of the state. And in Washington State, there is an east-west district. You know, the one that runs from Seattle over over into. Is there? Yes. And, and, and we are getting to the population point, And that is the natural east-west district. Because both parties would be okay with that. Because it would be competitive enough that both parties would think they could win it. I mean, keep in mind that Bend is plus 12 Democratic in that seat that Sherry holds right now. Right. So Democrats might not fight that. I think well, it's much- interesting. Interestingly enough, um, the Democrats can view all those votes in Bend as wasted right now. Mm-hmm. Right. right. That's right. Those are, those are, those are golden tickets. There we go. That you can use to swing one of these others. I mean, at some but at some point in the future, maybe thirty years from now or forty years from now, mm-hmm. you you flip back and right. you just say Bend has overwhelmed the eastern part of the state. Right. You lump them all back together right. and you dilute the Republicans down to nothing. Do you think you can do that? Draw a, basically a, a north south line at the Cascades, but cut out 
bend to be a another district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I guess if you, you you could do that. Well, in our so in then our, you're then you're conceding Southern Oregon as a Republican district. Well, well no, you it's loop it's, CD two down and it, grab Southern Oregon. Right, right. You, keep, right. you pull out Hood River and you pull out Bend, and you need more population, so you go swoop down around but, and grab Medford and but uh, Washington. Yeah, but those Klamath are Falls. Med- Medford and well, so Medford. And Washington County like becomes Medford. its own congressional district, basically. Yes, and so that's the other thing. You're going to have uh, the coastal area to throw into. Uh, maybe the fourth district, and maybe you try to make yeah. the fourth district more liberal if Scarlatus wins right. it. That's you know, the, he might be the one that would be under threat in the redistricting. Well, see, it's, it's already the, the what is currently the fourth district is already pretty close to 50 50. You think they just they'd claw more of the north or more of the coast to try to turn that bluer? So they might. I mean, that's, a, could, that's a competitive or district, could, or you could grab that's where you could grab Bend, yeah, and put it into the four. into what's currently four, or sp- that or, would take some stretch, that would take some. Draw, I maybe, I guess, with the lines. Well, have you seen well, Maryland? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the true. thing that everybody forgets is on on these map district maps, mountains don't show up. Yeah, right. So, so it just you know people look at a flat map and it's like, well, you know, Bend gets combined with Roseburg and it's like, yeah, so what? Well, the, well the, the mountains kind of form a cultural boundary. So, so if they Scarlet- do, but but when people are reviewing what looks like a gerrymandered map. You know, as as an arbiter of of whether this was fair yeah. or not, you don't see those geographic boundaries. That's true. So, anyway, um, anyway, <laughs> got done withdrawing the Oregon map. We got well, and that's why the Secretary of State is an important race, exactly. And and that's why the state legislature is important. And yes, getting back to and that's why the polls out right now that I've looked at this week are are disturbing on the legislature you know one of the things on the legislature that that was stark to me and i've tested this with some of my friends here people on this side of the mountains don't know who their state legislators are that they do on the other side on the other side absolutely right and they know who their county commissioners are on this side people do not know who their county commissioners are they don't know who their state legislators are House or the Senate. In fact, they're kind of almost amazed that there is a legislature. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really really remarkable. Well, I think this is the democratic mindset of putting your hope and faith and trust in the federal government, and that's it. That's all there is. There. Why do we need anything else? We've got the feds. Well, I think when the new mayor of Portland establishes a basic income. And taxes oh. and taxes and raises everybody's taxes so that they can transfer money to 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 low income or no income people. I think that'll get people's attention about local issues. That's a great segue into the debate. Mm-hmm. So th- we had a mayoral debate, and uh, it was socially distanced. It was weird, but that made it controllable mm-hmm. because they're in completely different places. Uh, but that did come up: mm-hmm. a universal basic income oh. by city. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, I how do you say her last name? Ayanaron. Ayanaron. I think. Yeah. Uh, absolutely supported it. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's right. have a universal basic income for this. And Wheeler points out, well, if you do that, <laughs> there's going to be people moving to your city to pick up on the universal basic income. And anybody with money is moving out of the city. Yeah. To to pay for it. Yep. It, yeah. It would, was, would it be property tax funded or would it be? 
income tax funded. And can was, you can it, you do that? It's rich people funded, right? And that it, yeah. she even said that she said something like, "There's plenty of people here that you know they'd give up some of their money to be able to to fund something like this because they're living here so great." No, they're going to move from the West Hills out to unincorporated Washington County, where they can have more land and they don't have to pay this stupid tax. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, you think the thirty-five dollar no. arts tax drove people crazy <laughs> wait till we get to this we'll talk more about God. local issues when we come back this is ali and Pacero's podcast the portland spirit is headed to the river hop on board today for great views of the portland skyline and historic milwaukee waterfront see our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine fun for the whole family with options including lunch brunch dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast with James Ball running for House District 36. Um, we were talking about the mayor's debate, which was, it, it, it's odd. I mean, it was really weird. It, it, and Ted Wheeler's in the position that Donald Trump is yeah. in, right? Where uh, they're burning Portland. The graffiti's everywhere. The homeless population has overrun the city. The miasma of yuck has yeah. settled on the city. It, it's sort of like a Blade Runner scenario, uh-huh. it, right? And that's the way a lot of people feel. Businesses are leaving the city quietly. They don't. They don't stand up and say, "Screw you, Mayor Wheeler. I'm out of here." They just sort of establish another place somewhere else and quietly move. Well, and a lot of them are locked into leases, yeah, which is a problem. Well, so Mayor Wheeler has kind of the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the debate, he was kind of wonky. In fact, yeah. he, he used jargon and terminology that even I'm not familiar with. They were making fun of some of it on sports radio. Oh, were they? Yes. Yeah. And... She didn't. Right. She was very evasive on some things about are you Antifa or not. Her um, her presence wasn't, um, you know, as alarming as her policies are. Yes, true. You know? No, her presence was um, fine. Yeah. I I, I thought his uh, presence was rattled. A, a, a little frantic. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little frantic, I think. <laughs> And I like Ted Wheeler, but <laughs> you got to understand, there, there, there's issues. There's issues. And I'm dealing with those issues. And there's issues. Yeah. No, it was, it, that was, yeah. And then he goes through a litany of, of issues that mm-hmm. he's had personally on top of it How all. How did you feel about that? I could you imagine that ever imagine, wasn't appropriate. Could you ever imagine yourself <laughs> no. uh, doing that in a campaign? No. Now, I mean, he, and and Steve Dean wrote about it in the Oregonian. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, today. But I mean, he, I think he was like talking about Nick Fish died, his mother died, right? He's going He'd through, gone a, through divorce, a divorce. You know, what did you think? I didn't watch the debate. Okay, writing um, okay. <laughs> writing for, for office, living writing for office I, in Portland, also, living in Portland, also running a business and it's newly right. married. No, and, that's. Like, so I, you're I, like I, okay, so he's like the mayor's got a lot of personal reasons that, well, he, could, that I, he couldn't keep his eye on the ball. And I think this this race is a race where you can decide who you're going to vote for without any what's of the it, details. What's it say about yeah, his mental I, state that he would go to that place? I think he's very frustrated. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think her best line was when she said, 
um, Mayor Wheeler, you talk about the police, you talk about the Antifa, you talk about going to... If you try to please anybody, mm-hmm. everybody, you're going to end up pleasing nobody. Yeah. And that's the position that he's gotten himself into. Did Sarah say that? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then she said, I'm clear who I support. I'm yeah. with the people. I'm with the people on the street. I'm with the, you know, so it was, it was the best. I thought it was the best moment that she had. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm, she's sort of in code saying, I'm not the law and order. I, I'm not with the police. I'm not with the I'm not with the business community. You know, she's she's yeah. sort of drawn that line. But, but um, I, I think I Mayor Wheeler. And again, you know, if I was in Portland, he has my vote. But he was sort of. Don't you understand? This is very difficult. Yeah. There are many things that I have to deal with. Yeah. And I'm really smart. And I deal with them. But it's really hard. Yeah. And no one cares. No. No one cares. He. This is what he should have done. And he he totally screwed up this whole situation with the protests. You You put a hard stop to it. You let it go on for a week or two. And then you put a hard stop to it. You go in. You declare a riot. You arrest the people who are throwing things. You, I mean, there are, you, you put a hard stop to the riots. The extreme left gets angry for about a month and then they forget about it. And then you go on to win your election. But the fact that he just let it go on I know. for months and months and months. And like you said, you try to appe- appease everyone. You end up appeasing no one. He should have made a stance early on, hit it hard and then move on with life well and we we talked about a curfew would have been a great the easiest thing 10 o'clock at night they tried right? that for about three days no but he had to enforce you it. have to enforce it and, yeah. and well but then you've got you got the da who's them, not the da who's not prosecuting anyone so it's like have, what are you going to do arrest people and then just let them out you have the moral high ground once you establish the curfew right yes. and you say at nine o'clock one hour till curfew nine thirty half an hour ten o'clock curfew 15 minutes of grace period clear the streets well this right? is uh, and and you do it night after night after night after night and yeah. you allow all the peaceful protests up until 10 up o'clock, until 10 o'clock and from yep. 10 o'clock until seven in the morning we're clear shut everybody down. out yep so right. so um one of the things that um I, 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 this is boring stuff but the way the city is actually physically laid out, you know, more like a Los Angeles than a Seattle. It, and, and okay, what do you mean by that? Yeah, okay. In yeah. the in the it's a our geographical the two cities on the west coast that are the most east coast like are Seattle and San Francisco because of their pinned in, you know, San Francisco's a peninsula. Right. And the way the Hood Canal comes in or the Puget Sound yeah. comes into Washington, Seattle downtown is compacted mm-hmm. and the lakes around it. But Portland is more like a Los Angeles or a San Diego where you, it can spread. Now we have urban growth boundaries, but it can yeah. spread and spread and spread. And already we have Hillsborough, which is now a hundred thousand people and Beaverton, which is a hundred and five or 110. And Gresham is, I don't know, 80,000 or yeah. 90,000. And we're sitting here in Lake Oswego, which is 40,000 and Tigard is 60,000 and we're cruiseway. Uh, 70% of the state's GDP is in Washington County to start with. The economic power is not really in downtown Portland and hasn't been for quite a while. And there's a, there's probably as much GDP where we're sitting on Cruise Way right now in Lake Oswego as there as there is in downtown Portland. So it's econ- when you economically, I mean, 
what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that downtown Portland, when people say, Oh, I love downtown. I hear that all the time. I love downtown Portland. I love going there and all that. I ne- right. didn't, haven't necessarily felt that way because I felt like our, our city is very provincial and sort of one party, one, you know, my progressive provincial, not that, not that interesting, mm-hmm. but most people don't feel that way. They think, Oh, I love going to downtown Portland, but it's more like a sort of a, a you know, a dressing, you know, a nice, facade it's not a it's not necessarily an economic uh, engine of the of the state well and and i've i've observed this people have observed it too is that portland is a place where you live and mm-hmm. then you work someplace else yeah, which so is, it's an inverse commute you're very interesting now that's different from the technology groups that are downtown mm-hmm. the, all the software development right. is downtown right. but if you work at intel you live in portland and commute out right. to Intel. My nephew did that for years. That's what it, I did for years. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. You you lived in Portland yeah. but commuted out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the point is that c- can collapse pretty quickly if yeah. that's the pillar. Let's talk about that when we come back. This is Ali and Pissero's podcast with James Ball. This is Ali and Pissero's podcast with James Ball running for House District 36. We are going to talk, change gears a little bit and talk about the 25th Amendment. <laughs> which seems bizarre to me that this is even coming up. We spend so much time on the first and second. I mean, right. <laughs> well, and when I started running for office, um, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I, I will. I was with the Cattlemen's Association and I had been running for all of two weeks or something like this. And one of the, the old guys, he looks at me and screws up his eyes and says, I like you, but I need to know something. Where are you on the Second Amendment? And he <laughs> looks right through me, like like with lasers, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm and I'm sitting there, and in my mind, it's like, okay, First Amendment's freedom of speech. The Fifth is the one that you say when you're guilty, but you don't want to admit it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like second, second, second. Oh, that's the gun one, right? <clears throat> but. That's I mean that's where most Americans are, and and I was a pretty well educated American. So twenty fifth amendment. Yep, this is the one that that was uh, that came in after Kennedy, I think, was assassinated, right, to clear up the change of power between uh, the president and the vice president when the president is incapacitated, because there was kind of a gray area, I think, when Kennedy was first shot and he was in the hospital mm-hmm. he hadn't passed away yet it, mm-hmm. who's who's the president right if the russians attacked at exactly that moment who has the football well and also they'd been waiting uh, you know woodrow wilson had a massive stroke and 1919 i think it was and uh basically was incapacitated for the last 2 years of his presidency and his wife ran the presidency and they'd been waiting and that had been something that people had really felt needed to be cleared up because everybody regretted that that had happened. Right. And so what <laughs> what Nancy Pelosi is bringing up now is uh, how do you determine that the president is incapacitated? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's currently, I, I think the way it works is the vice president sort of initiates this and then the vice president goes to Congress or, or the vice president goes to the cabinet and the cabinet 
determines whether or not the president is incapacitated and then the vice president takes over. Um, I think Congress is in there too somewhere. I, well, I, I think Congress, the, the way it works is Congress can determine another process. So it's, it's oh. sort of like, this is the process unless Congress says, no, there's another process. Mm-hmm. Got it. So Nancy Pelosi is saying, nah, I don't kind of like this process. Kind of inside baseball. So why is the vice president going to say that the president is incapacitated? And then if, if they do, then you've got the, the, you know, the cabinet and the cabinet's never going to, no, you know, cross. This is this. like double impeachment. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Oh, so, impeachment Mulligan. Right. It's impeachment <laughs> Mulligan. God. So now she's like, so we're going to have a bipartisan panel with, <laughs> I think it's eight Republicans and eight Democrats and one independent. It's going to be chaired by somebody else and we're going to figure all this stuff out. Um, and it's going to pass in the House, of course. It's going to get to the Senate and die right, yep. right now. Uh, but, the the wonderful speculation going to come back to haunt President Biden is the yes <laughs> yes right it's the Dementia. conspiracy theory yes because the Democrats will yeah pass it and then they'll get the Senate right. they'll pass it so, and then President Biden will be have dementia right and you you give Kamala Harris oh, the get out of jail free card because yeah. she doesn't have to initiate it yeah it's the it's the commission yeah. it's not yeah. me. I'm not saying that my president is incapacitated. It's the com- those commissioners, those crazy commissioners over there. So huh. the conspiracy theory is she's doing it because she thinks Biden is going to be president. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need the escape lever. You know, you know, you need to be able to pull the ripcord if things get a little mm, crazy. I, like you can't I, do numbers anymore. <laughs> I think it's far more likely that this is just an excuse to drag Trump's name through the mud, like what they've I been th- doing for the last <laughs> four years. It's it's just oh, Trump's incapacitated. Is trying to take up a couple news well, they, cycles with anti-Trump. Well, they want they want yes, yeah, and they want to say they've been saying like, well, he's hopped up on steroids and all this stuff, and that's why he's acting erratic. He's acting erratic because he's frustrated about being, you know, behind in the polls and he hasn't been feeling well, but. And he's stuck in the hospital, can't do anything about it. Yeah. So, you know, I, as we talked earlier, I'm the guy that always says, Hey, I'm going to, what's under my control? What can I do with? If I was President Trump right now, I think I'd be acting erratic. Yeah. I think I'd be, I'd be yelling at some people. Yeah. Yeah. Get in here, release those emails, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, get everybody out of Afghanistan right. now. Now, put them back in. <laughs> it's like, Send everybody $3,000. It's like, look, I don't think you understand. I could lose this election. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Exactly. Right? You know what I think is funny is in the, the vice presidential debate, they brought up the issue of 25th Amendment and succession plans for that. And both people dodged it. Both Pence and Harris dodged the question. So I see Pelosi just sitting there watching the TV and being like, hmm, Hmm. that's a good idea. I wonder if we could uh, do something with this. No, but, you know, it's gotten ridiculously personal between Pelosi and Trump. Thanks to her. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I I keep going back to, you know, why does Trump do this stuff? You impeached him him. (laughs) on a phone call. Well, and, 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 and going back again, I mean, he was impeached because his people may, maybe didn't tell investigators the, the 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 complete truth about stuff the investigators made up against them that was completely untrue. <laughs> so, so it's like they were trying to they were trying to protect the president 
from stuff made up by the Democrats who then turned around and impeached him. That is what happened, right? Yes, and it's just so absurd absurd that you'd get impeached for for what he did. Right. And, you know, is it sort of a fraternity house where everybody's kind of, you know, running around, negotiating, freelancing? Yes, it probably was, right? But is that impeachable? No. Well, and it goes back to the... um you know when when Flynn, when Flynn was meeting with the Russians for the president-elect, if there was any trouble that the sitting president at that point had with what was going on, he calls the president-elect. Yeah, that's what he does. No, right. Yeah, that is just. There's right. nothing else he does. Right. No, but none, none <laughs> that, of that happened. No, they have secret meetings and wiretap people. Well, but this is this is politics in 2020 is if you can you will and the extreme left had been calling for trump's impeachment and they didn't care why they wanted him impeached and so they found the closest thing they possibly could and tried to stick it to him and you know votes were on party lines because of course they were and that's just how 2020 is we'll come back for our final segment right right I'm I'm having trouble with numbers this morning. Oh god! Uh oh, Alan, <laughs> it's just terrible. We'll come back for our final with the guy that is Mister Numbers. We'll come back for our final segment. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. This is the final segment of Ali and Pacero's podcast for this week. Uh, Jimmy, you want to talk a little bit more about? Well, Portland? yeah, because I mean, it, I mean, it's, I know this is future speak, but. In the conversation about Portland, especially the way the liberals have run the city, I don't think they realize how dangerous it could be if if the city collapsed because the state and the region economically really don't need Portland to function. Right. And, and, and they don't know that. You know, they think because Portland's such a special place, it's a shiny object, you know, the great ornament – that 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 somehow the rest of the state would be like you know or or the metropolitan area would be like oh no we can't let downtown fail we could very easily let downtown fail and become kind of a a Detroit and yes. and it would be the the region would not have a lot of trouble functioning well I lived in Detroit and Detroit failed mm-hmm. right completely like like gone mm-hmm. like black hole right. And economically, mm-hmm. right, and and Detroit is now kind of back. Yeah, and for me, it was sort of like, well, there's an example, Detroit, of it, but it took forty five yeah. years, mm-hmm. right, and it took the city going bankrupt. It took a Republican governor to take over the city and put in, get rid of the mayor and put in a city administrator. For it to happen, it took property values to go to less than zero. Yeah. That you could take over property, and if you were going to pay the property taxes, it took uh, housing getting so cheap that they could knock down houses and turn it into urban farms, which yeah. they which they did. It took all of the sports teams moving out of the city for twenty five years, yeah. and then finally some some uh affluent business people mike illich from the little pizzas yeah. fortune and uh the domino's fortune to bring them back to downtown so 
you're absolutely right. I mean, we have examples of mm-hmm. where cities died. But it took forty-five to years. James, it doesn't take five years. James, what 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 what's the conversation between you and your friends who live in Portland? What are you what are you guys talking about? Uh, well, a lot of them are Republicans, and so they're kind of on the same the same <laughs> wavelength we yeah. are here. But um, I I don't think they I don't think they notice. I think I, I mean my liberal friends, my people right. who I worked with at with uh, with at Intel, they are focused on Trump and Biden. Really? And the, I mean, to your point earlier, like people in Portland don't know who their legislators are. Le- legislators are. I think they're voting for Ayanna Rohn because she's not Wheeler. They've seen Wheeler and his, you know, lackluster last few months with the protests and everything, and they're just like anybody but Wheeler. And they don't realize what they're getting themselves into because you know the federal government is here to save us. What's your life like? In, in Portland. In the, you live in the Pearl? I do. Uh, not exactly in the Pearl, just mm-hmm. outside the Pearl. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's things are starting to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. But outdoor seating, you know, wear your masks everywhere when you're mm-hmm. out. Um, so you're a mile from the protest? We're a mile from the protest. And so the protests are both over and underreported. Mm-hmm. And it's really <laughs> irritating based on, <laughs> but it, it's irritating that it's both. It's, it's not, nobody is doing this fairly. Like, right. You listen to one news organization, it's like, oh, the city's burning down. And well, no, it's not. Uh, I, I live a mile away from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had like one piece of graffiti across the street. But then on the other side where it says like, oh, nothing's happening. Well, something is happening. And there are square blocks in the middle of downtown that there is no business activity because everything's boarded up. The, the shiny Apple store that was built several years ago has been closed for six months Right. And it's boarded up with with uh, murals and graffiti. So do you do you venture down to what was Chinatown? Occasionally, and, yeah. And 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 what does the homeless situation look like? In these oh, it's blocks? bad. Yeah. How oh, bad? Yeah. How would you there, describe it? I mean, every street corner, nearly. Mm-hmm. Try Chinatown, that area. Yeah, there you you have to almost literally step over people to walk mm-hmm. down the sidewalk in that area. Yeah, and that's also a mile away from the protests. So what is yeah, the? That's why my friends that I have here. We used to go downtown, mm-hmm. and nobody does anymore. Yeah. You go like, to the Pearl. Like, you go to the Pearl. That's where you go. You don't. You don't go Southwest. You don't, you don't go, go, go Chinatown. No, they you don't, don't go, go to the Pearl anymore. Yeah. We, you go to. Well, the Pearl. Go to, I go to the Pearl. We go yeah. to. We go to Timbers games when they were Timbers games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then maybe if they're if you're going to a Timbers game, you go to some place around the stadium. You know. Um, what? We used to go not, to dinner. Not Hill's not bad. Twenty first, twenty third. That that area is. We used to go to dinner, good. and and it's sort of like, no, just we, we don't need to do it. And you know, there's there's also something about I don't want to support the behavior. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. If if we continue, it's sort of like voting. If you continue to go and you continue to spend money, even though you're stepping over homeless people mm-hmm. and urine and feces and you're condoning it, it's like, oh, okay, if you let your city get to this point, I'm still going to participate? No. Yeah. You just finally say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, do you think, uh, changing subject a little bit, mm-hmm. do you think, uh, you won't be, in the timber stadium until oh when next summer when you and and is there a reason that we're not doing what they're doing in the south which is like 15 percent capacity <laughs> yes because we're the left coast yes <laughs> Do no, we, are, are we think, appalled by that when we see I it i think once there's a vaccine uh-huh and and it's not because a vaccine really dramatically solve all the problem 
Right. It's right. because you can point to it and say that makes things different. Um, it will have an effect. The people you need to vaccinate are the people that are, you know, 65 years and older and have underlying conditions. And, you know, so we, we'll, we should get into this discussion at some other point. But if you don't have any symptoms, do you actually have a disease? Mm-hmm. And, and yes, you have a disease. You're but carrying the virus inside if you. If James yeah. has the disease, we never know it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, this is this is my conspiracy theory. November fourth, the media narrative is going to switch from two hundred thousand dead. It's all Trump's fault, and it's going to switch to the death rate isn't nearly as bad. The vaccine's right, right around the corner. We need to start getting back to normal. Like right. it, the the coronavirus <laughs> is not going away, but the media narrative is going to switch like that. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. I'm sure you're right. Right. And, and then people are going to start getting back to normal, and it's going to be like, right. oh well, as long as Trump's not here, you know, we're we're fine. So right. you think that with the vaccine in place, people will be able to say, okay, twenty thousand young people can go sit in the Timbers Army? No, they'll start to ramp up, but the media will say it's okay. Yeah, and that's really what we're what we're, we're talking with. about here is you're you're absolutely right that once there's a vaccine, then they say, okay, it's okay, and we'll get back to the Timbers games, and we'll all wear masks. Right. And we'll be quiet. That's, I, I could, that's something I, I could that'll, actually yeah. imagine that the Timbers Army, you know, waves things <laughs> instead of and yelling. yelling. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and we'll all, we'll all participate. So okay. guys, thank you so much. This was a, a great discussion. I've been watching the feedback on Facebook and it's been very, very positive. People nice. appreciate the discussion. So thank you so much. This is Allie and Pacero's podcast with our friend James Ball, House District 36. 36. Thanks for listening. This has been Allie and Passero with your hosts, Alan Alley and Jim Passero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.